we're so conditioned to love the beginning of something and we're so conditioned to love the exit the middle part is not sexy people don't really want to talk about that part i actually think this part's really interesting this is the part where you get to kind of discover who you are to Let It Out with me, Katie Dalebout. This week, it's a conversation with Carrie Lynn Palmer. She's the co-founder of Cat Beauty and someone I truly admire so much and have admired since we both lived in New York and we both moved west. And you get to eavesdrop on a morning where I drove to her beautiful house in the mountains and her husband John made me an espresso in their kitchen and we chatted and you get to hear a bit of that. It was one of my favorite conversations and favorite mornings I've had in a while and hopefully you feel that listening to it now. We talk about everything from her style to romantic relationships, moving out of New York and moving west, starting Cat Beauty, having a retail mind, the art of hosting and mindfulness with cooking and reading, family, feelings, space, being in middles. It's a really great conversation and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to know more about me and my work, listen until the end and I will talk to you then. so happy. I feel like we have been orbiting each other since we were in New York and trying to do this for so many years. And it was so fun spending time with you prepping my notes. Mm. <laughs> I have copious notes for you because I have been a fan of yours and Cap for years. And I remember being in Michigan when you opened and just kind of watching oh, wow. from afar and then eventually moving. And I think I've I've told you this, but it was this beautiful clubhouse space where I got to meet so many people. And right when I moved to New York, you having my my book there yeah. meant so much to me. Mm. And the event that we did this event yeah. at um, around the New Year, it was called Remix Your Resolution. Yes. And we packed so many I people know. into the space, and it was such a magical night and such a bright memory for me. And it meant so much that you were so supportive and kind. And, you know, ever since then, we've been friends in an internet sort of a way and in person sort of a way there. And then when we both moved West here, I think we really bonded over that being so correct for us. And so it's really full circle to be here. Thank you Mm, for having me. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So before we go back, because I want to I want to hear everything. I'm curious what you've been learning and contemplating recently, like what's been on your mind in the last week or so. Hmm. I think I I told you that I had started riding horses again. And so I've been thinking a lot about horses and kind of their majesty and awareness and presence and my need to be really present around them because of just their size and kind of their 
their physical space they take up is really large. And so I hadn't been around horses in quite some time, but where we live, there's a spot that I go riding at now. And so I've been like YouTubing videos and, you know, it's all, I rode a little bit when I was young, but I'm much older now. And so it feels like a very much a relearning process. So I'm, I've kind of gone horse crazy, like similar to like a seven-year-old girl. And that's been really fun. And next then, time I come over, there'll be like horse wallpaper. I know. Paper, horse I know it's funny. I actually just dropped off two photos to be framed that are horses. Oh, cool. And they've always been animals. I mean, I think so many people are connected to horses for so many obvious reasons. Um, but they've just been an animal that I've always really, really deeply connected with. I love animals and I, I feel like they're grace and intelligence and kind of how they function in the world is just, it's really inspiring. And also how they, have been such an integral part of the human experience, um, you know, just like thousands of years that we've relied on them as a resource and companion. And so that's been, that's been really, really fun. I've also, I'm started taking a course um, with this very amazing woman named Victoria Song, who wrote a book recently called Bending Reality. She's brilliant. And so I'm learning a lot. I've only taken one course with her so far, or one class, but she talks, one of her main things is kind of the difference between contraction and expansion, which is a pretty simple concept if you think about it really literally, but it's her, one of her main kind of tenets is the removal of um, judgment or trying to get rid of feelings in order to create complete expansion. And I'm realizing that I have a very intellectual mind in the way that I'm actually kind of confused by what feelings are. I can't tell what predates like the feeling. Is it the thought that's creating the feeling? Is it the feeling that's creating the thought? So I've been tripping out in my head a lot about that. And my husband, he's done a lot of like therapy and um, kind of self-development work. And so he's been kind of interesting to walk me through it. And, you know, we know each other so well, he can kind of watch and help me track it. But it's, it's fascinating. It's like the removal of judgment of feeling as opposed to putting that feeling away. And then as we know, that lands somewhere in the body and it typically expresses itself at a later date in a way that's maybe not so healthy for, for you or for others or for relationships. So those are kind of the two things just like, and I think to tie back to the connection to horses is I think like my connection to animals is, is my fascination with them is the fact that they are so in touch with their feelings and it doesn't seem like they try to dismiss those in the way that we as humans intellectualize them or just try to get rid of them because they're uncomfortable. And it's something I've always really loved about animals is this, um, you know, you see it when dogs meet, like there's no pretense. If the dog doesn't like the other dog. It's not trying to figure it out. It's not, not expressing it. It's like expressing like, get away from me. I don't like this. Right. Right. Or I don't like you. And that's always intrigued me. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's very primal obviously mm -hmm. and intuitive, but we learn from conditioning and capitalism and society to pocket these things down. And it's, it's easier. And there are some instances where we still have to do that because we live in this world, but it's something that I was actually thinking about it on my drive over here because this is, this is it's a, totally, long drive. <laughs> a long drive. It's a totally like strained connection between the horses, but stay with me. Yeah. When I, I hadn't driven for like five years from being in New York and like learning to drive again is 
<laughs> my version of like relearning. 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's like the same. It's exactly it's what I was just talking about with John this morning is the presence you have to have exactly when riding a horse yeah. and also obviously when driving a car is something that I think as humans, or maybe it's, I think it's everyone, but we have a hard time tapping into that. And we all totally. kind of talk about the mind-body connection, but it's an intellectual activity. At least it has been for me. Like when I work out, if I'm doing something that's quote unquote easy or it's not challenging or it's not dangerous, it's really hard for me to tap my body, excuse me, my mind into my body. But like on a horse, you don't have room to be thinking about what you're having for dinner. Yeah. It's interesting because in a car, like you do, you get into that state right. where you can process information outside almost in a meditative state. But yeah. um, it's interesting that mind-body connection yeah. that forces you to actually, it's like a jump start to yeah. figure out how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I noticed because in New York, I was so, I would walk everywhere or take mm -hmm. the subway, obviously. And I got so good at it that I was always... I would listen to music sometimes when I yeah. wanted to feel my feelings, when I wanted to like yeah. be in that. And something I've said on this podcast a million times is how like a couple of years ago, a therapist pointed out to me, because I used to kind of walk around saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I feel so many feelings. My work is about feelings and gooey and blah, blah, blah. But she was like, actually, you don't. You think your feelings. You're not feeling them in your body. Yeah. And that's something I've really been working on feeling my feelings rather than thinking them. And how have you done that? That's what I'm working through right now. And I'm I'm feeling really yeah. um feeling. Um I'm like <laughs> I'm kind of astounded at how tripped up I am. By yeah. It, that I can't figure out like, is my thought creating my feeling or is my feeling creating my thought? And if my feeling is creating my thought, where does that feeling come from? Yeah. I think so much of it is slowing down. Well, this is what I was gonna say about the car thing is like in New York, I could listen to music when I wanted to feel something, but yeah. I would mostly listen to podcasts or the news or whatever while I was walking or on the subway because I didn't didn't take much of my mental energy to figure it out. Yeah. But driving here, I can really only listen to music. It helps me to get into my body and it kind of forces me to feel like if I'm feeling something really intense, I won't want to listen to music because I yeah. won't want to feel it. I want to yeah. distract. I want to yeah. turn to something that will make me laugh or something that will get me out of the moment. And then when I'm ready, I need to sit and feel it. Cause I'm sure you've heard this a million times of like a feeling moves through you in about 90 seconds. Yeah. It's so wild. So wild, but it's like getting to the night. It's kind of like writing, right? It's like, yeah. it takes you writing is the like, you know, doing the dishes and getting everything together. And then the writing is like 20 minutes, you know, it's like totally. the same thing for feeling. I yeah. Think. And isn't that wild that like 90 seconds we will typically find something else to do to not mm -hmm. feel? Totally. Which I think is very human of, you know, we we are evolved enough to be able to make that distinction, you yeah. know, yeah. To, to avoid something. Yeah. And I think we're similar, like in my preparation for this, I was I was learning about you more of I'm someone who's such an extremist and have such an addictive personality that it's either like, I'm going to do this all the way, I'm going to feel, 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 or I'm going to like, not at all. And that's what I've kind of been learning, like to answer your question of like, I kept, I had this really intense breakup a couple of years ago mm. and I kept saying to my therapist, like, how do I know if I felt it all? <laughs> like, oh, I want to know. Yeah. And then she was like, 
you feel a little bit and then you feel a little hit of it here and and it's not linear and it's not yeah. you know oh it's cyclical too yeah. it's like waves and i think that's yeah that's i think the it. addictive personality in that realm can trip us up really quickly yeah because <laughs> i have that as well um and I've done tons of work to remove myself from that completely binary, all or nothing, black or white realm, which is interesting because I don't typically apply that to others when I'm observing others, but it's really easy for me to apply that to myself. But I've done a lot of work trying to figure out how to move away from such an all or nothing state and realizing that there's real gold in the little things, like not the big, huge, massive brush strokes. And I think, but that's like, you know, addiction 101. Yeah. What's helped you with that? I think going, I think quitting drinking was like a really, really big one for me. But again, that was, um, I had to give that up fully because of my addiction. Like it wasn't, I'm not the person who can just have like one glass of wine at night. So that was interesting because that's like very black or white. But then years and years of looking into that, like it's been close to eight years now of realizing there's kind of small moments and wins within there that still keep me in the black or white scenario in regards to addiction. But I can apply that model of kind of gray to other things. I don't apply it to my addiction because it's not relevant there. It doesn't, it doesn't work there. I can't yeah. be like, oh, now I'm having one glass of wine because for me that's a trigger into a whole nother realm that I worked really hard to remove myself from. But I think just like watching it, recognizing that the grand gestures aren't always the gestures. Like I have a, a person who's a very big mentor to me and he talks a lot about slow and steady. He's been really helpful to me in that realm, especially like going through kind of the business stuff I've gone through in the past few years. Um, his whole thing is just like, you keep going each day. And I, I think that there's really something massively powerful in getting up and doing the work, recognizing when you're not supposed to be doing it, but just like consistency is, consistency is really the thing that I think of as my North Star all the time. Mm. Like I don't really believe in balance for myself, but I very much believe in consistency. That's been a really big guiding force. And my friend has um, illuminated that kind of path for me in a way that's been really generous and allowed me to understand it in a way that was more like an intellectual understanding before. And now I'm like, okay, just like every day, just keep moving forward. That's the people who don't quit. Just, um, keep moving forward towards what they're trying to get to, but like moving that goal post out of the conversation and just being like, I'm doing the work today. I'm doing the work today. Sports. I think watching sports is really amazing for that as well. You know, like the big grand championship is really fun to watch. But then when you think about like the amount of diligence and commitment and consistency that gets the person to the court yeah. is really that's the inspiring part to me yeah and treating something like a because i i have that too where it's it's wild to me of like some things i can be fine with a gray area i loved how you articulated like with other people yeah because i'd never heard that articulated but it's so true like i don't look at it with other people at all but yeah. definitely with myself and there are certain things where i can like you know 
be disinterested in something and be so gray, but other things are, work is one of them that I tend to like really go in or out and relationships, so many, (laughs) but there are things like that, like work, like food, codependency, where it's like you have to do harm reduction, you know, like you can't do abstinence model. And so you have to learn, which is such a, a practice of slowing down gentleness, you know, Mm -hmm. which is so much more challenging than taking it away completely. Yeah. It's a lot easier to just throw it out. Yeah. So I was thinking about you and there's this October 1972 issue of Vogue with an interview with Joan Didion and there's these photos of her in Malibu and she's cooking and maybe you her kitchen ones. Yeah. With the orange. Yeah. 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 So great. Yeah. And, and she told the interview interview or something that I wrote down. She said, her life revolves around writing, reading, and cooking. And that's always stuck with me, that line. Yeah. And it makes me think of you. Mm. Whenever I look at your Instagram or run into you around, like I feel like you live similarly and your aesthetic and intentionality is so inspirational to mm. me. And as someone who, you know, I've had this tendency towards rushing you really inspire me to slow down and notice these little moments have you always lived this way reading has always been a huge part of my life like i i would do those summer book challenges and i would always win um congrats (laughs) (laughs) um i'm kind of a solo person like i especially as a kid i was very solo like hanging out with animals and just myself you have siblings though i do i have a brother and i have a sister and um i adore both of them but they're much older than me i'm the youngest Youngest. okay my sister is eight years older than me and my brother is 10 years older so So i don't have like a really deep connection with my brother he moved out when he was quite young and so i was pretty young so i don't know him super well my sister was and has been and still is an amazing like caretaker for me. She was very, very much my person and still is. We're very different. I adore her. But I would spend a lot of time by myself, like a lot. I was like the third child. My parents were like not planning on having me. So I was kind of, you know, they say an accident. I don't think it's the maybe best term. It's probably inappropriate, <laughs> but I was. And so they were kind of like, oh. Uh, you know, <laughs> she's here. <laughs> that was a long way of saying I read a lot. Like I had a very, very active internal mind and I still love reading so much. I find it to be the most fantastic activity. Like you get to go somewhere else. You Totally. And this is in Oregon? This was in Oregon. And so I've always had a pretty strong reading habit. And my mom was a really beautiful cook like home cook not fancy really beautiful food but very home style like when I started eating differently as I got older in life that kind of annoyed her and and I have like a little bit of regret about that to be really honest like to talk about the food thing I feel like I disconnected from her in a way that I maybe didn't have to in terms of the way she ate versus the way that I was discovering eating that suited my body type but I I have like a little bit of a fissure there that I'm like oh I like that was our way of connecting. And I felt like I kind of removed that way of connecting. And she passed away a year and a half ago. So I have like a little bit of sadness about that. That being said, I've definitely opened up the way that I eat. And I think probably in response to that, but she was an amazing, amazing cook. 
very into entertaining, very not into me learning how to cook from her because that was her domain. So I didn't necessarily learn how to cook from her, but I learned by watching and also just by her presentation and how she entertained. And it was very much her identity. So I've always loved cooking and I find cooking to be just like, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody was talking about it as a creative act that you actually, this is so obvious when I say it out loud, but you get to share it with people loved ones, not loved ones, like you get to share it. And it's so fast. Like you can make something that brings so much pleasure to somebody in such a short period of time compared to most other mediums. And I just, I love it. And I, with writing, I was always a really, according to me, terrible writer. And I had a lot of anxiety about it. I was really, um, embarrassed that I wasn't a good writer. I didn't I didn't excel in school. Like I was really good when I was young. Then my parents split up and our house kind of turned into a bit of chaos and I just got a little bit lost in the school system, honestly. And um, I'd loved writing up until then and then I just kind of abandoned it. And as I got older, I had a lot of shame about not feeling like a good writer. And John, my husband, he's been like my biggest cheerleader um, with writing and has really shown me that I can write and also um, raised my awareness that I I really love it. I love it. I find it so excruciating, but I also really love it. And I think I have a book in me that's a fiction book. I'm actually going to start a writing, I'm starting a writing group, I think next month. Um, and I took a writing class recently, but it's, it's all like a new language for me. I, I find writers to be absolutely completely mysterious. Like I don't understand how they create story, how they tie up story. It's something I have a deep respect for. And I just, I love, love reading. Wow. I can't wait for your fiction book. <laughs> and I always love your book recommendations Thank and, you. and seeing what you're reading. You, from what I remember, always cooked in, in New York and were baking yeah. back then. And you just told me before we started recording that the sourdough starter was like the most important object other than... <laughs> living well it is living um, yeah the other living thing that you brought across <laughs> the country where did you get the sourdough starter so I made it and I have the deepest debt and gratitude towards my friend Iran of Canelli Vanel she's such a brilliant person she's really an artist scientist with I believe four generations of baking in wow. her lineage from Spain Wow. So a classically trained pastry chef who realized she had a gluten intolerance wasn't going to abandon baking and essentially reinvented the world of gluten-free baking wow. fully from like the bottom up, top down. And I became friendly with her. She sent me her book um, maybe two years ago. Her first book came out and that's still the starter I have. So it's the starter is like two and a half years old wow. and she has walked me through all of it. Like she's always, I'm always texting her. Her new book comes out at the end of this month in October. I just made this gorgeous bread from yeah, that. And incredible. she is just, she is a massive inspiration to me and, and taught me to bake, but I've always cooked. And it's funny. My mom was like, my mom was never a person who measured, wasn't precise, had a little bit of disdain for people who were super fastidious and precise. And I'm kind of that way. And it always like kind of, she kind of always like jabbed me about it. So I didn't really get into baking 
but it actually suits my personality really, really well. Iran and I have talked about this a fair amount. Like there's certain personality types that really orient towards baking. Yeah. And it's a person who like kind of like loves measurements and loves things being organized. And I'm making broad generalizations right, right, here, right. but there are like certain, you know, my mom never had like, she would never have like baking soda in the house. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, we couldn't bake because she just didn't have everything. But I love having like everything kind of, ready to go and be yeah. able to bake something. And I also just think it's such a enormous treat to be able to offer that to people. Yeah. I think I heard you speaking about it on, on another podcast about how baking, maybe it was in relation to like the black and white thinking, but how it's this, this practice. And I guess gardening is like that too, like the creative process and baking or cooking being so interconnected. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I feel like I've I'm getting to this place where I have, you know, by no means even close to Iran, but I have an understanding of the science of it more than I did. And so now I have the room to experiment a bit more and I was waiting to get there. I can do that with cooking. Like I feel comfortable in that arena, but baking, I was like, I don't even understand. I don't mm. understand what baking soda is. Um, so I'm starting to understand that. And I just think it's really, really wildly rewarding yeah you know everyone loves sweets it's like really rare that somebody doesn't although i i, I made way too many during the pandemic um both my husband and i gained a bunch of weight and just didn't feel that great because i was baking so much so i've pulled back on it a little bit but i'm still baking but just with a little bit more intentionality of what i'm eating yeah i think it's it kind of going back to the horse thing where when you're learning about something and it takes up so much of your brain, driving's kind of similar where you have to focus and then you can get into this coasting essentially. Yeah. Like, all right, I have to know where I'm going, but then I can just, I'm here for 19 miles or whatever yeah. it is. And you can just be yeah. and getting to that place is, is really cool. I'm curious, like I was saying, you, you, I know that you are cooking just as often when you lived in New York and yeah. that's something that, that carried over here. But what would you say to someone who, you know, maybe before you really got into cooking, someone like me, yeah. <laughs> who, you know, I, I have such an affinity for it, but yeah. especially when it's like just me, I, yeah. I end up like, I throw together like the same salad with like a icky mushed up avocado and I love it. It tastes really good, but like I, it's so nice to cook for other people. Yeah. But bringing that into areas of your life of like, you're such a great host. You're mm. so grounded to me and you have this presence that I just really admire. Have you, is that something that you cultivated since, you know, you came into it a little bit as a kid, but what would you say to yourself, you know, before you kind of had that? Well, I think part of it is having lived in New York for 25 years in like a pretty classic New York apartment. Like it was pretty big. I'm using air quotations by New York standards, but it wasn't big. Um, and so I actually, we didn't entertain as much because it was just more challenging. Like space is a really, really big component, I think, of cooking. And I say that recognizing there's a lot of luxury in that and privilege, but it is, it makes it easier for me. And I think we have more space now. And so I feel a bit more grounded doing it. I'm also a really big um, believer in I used to, when I didn't know how to cook very well or when I was learning, 
I relied really heavily on recipes and needing to get certain ingredients and being like kind of dogmatic about it. I still love recipes. I love cookbooks. I collect them, but I read them more like a source of information that then I get to apply to my day to day. But I, I became like really fastidious and like I said, dogmatic about what it needed to be. And now I'm just a big proponent of cooking every day, like a little something and then having like a collection of things in the fridge that then I just piece together. And I have like a few things, like if you come for lunch, you're always probably going to get a frittata with uh, whatever vegetables there are. But that's like the easiest thing on earth to make. And it kind of presents well. And most people seem to like it. And it hangs out and gets better. I don't ever want to be cooking when people are here. Even though we have like a great open kitchen now, I really like everything to be dealt with beforehand so I don't feel any stress mm. of when people are here. I'm really bad at beverages, so I feel like I need to focus on beverages. Like people will come over and I'll like make this crazy spread and then nobody will have water. So I'm trying to, like I just designated that to John. I was like, can you deal with beverages? I'm really bad at that. So I just try to have like, I think it's having the things that you know how to make and making them all the time. Again, going back to consistency and being really, really comfortable with changes to them because if you're doing something new that's really that can create a lot of stress and then it eliminates the joy of having people over like I just want to have people over and present them really delicious healthy beautiful food but it doesn't need to be like crazy over the top like how I used you know I used to do it and it was like a whole week thing it's like I don't that's not how I live now I just want it to be I want them to leave feeling good and it doesn't have to be a showstopper every time. But that took me a long time. You know, I wanted it to be perfect quotations, yeah. but it's, it's really, the food's like great. That's a nice part about going to see someone. But at the end of the day, it's really about seeing that person totally. and just being present, present and filled with something that makes you feel good. I want yeah. people to feel better when they leave than when they came here. That's always my, that's always been my intention for CAP as well. Like when we had a physical space, that was a part of the manifesto is like, everyone should leave feeling better than when they walked in the door. And that's just kind of like the North star. However that happens, like if that salad you're talking about, you like, I'm sure your friend would like, and I feel like you don't have to discount that. It's like, great, just serve them something that will make them feel good. Yeah. You know, we overcomplicate so many things. Yeah, I feel like my guiding force is in every area is leave a place, a person, a meal better than you found it. Yeah. Whether that's I'm really house sitting or whether I'm whatever it is. And that that's it's funny that you brought up that salad because I make the one thing I do really well is a kale salad. <laughs> oh, great. I want to come it's over. It's massaged Amazing. Um, and then my friend Heidi, who yeah. we were talking about, taught me how to make, it's essentially a frittata. And I just want like a few things in That's my all back you pocket. Need. And my friends love my kale salad. Yeah. And it's like last summer, that which was like peak of two summers ago now, I guess, peak quarantine, I would go to the farmer's market and just like get so much stuff. And my, our mutual friend is a chef. And so I'd be like, 
let this is an exercise for you. What can I do with leeks and like this like weird combination of things? And I would host these dinner parties for the people I was living with. And it was so stressful because I was like trying to do this new thing that my friend who's actually does that for work was like trying to explain to me. And I'm like, now I'm just, you don't have to do that. You know, it's like, and I also think there's something really beautiful when you have a friend or a family member that you love something they make and you know, you're going to get that. I've had people, you know, come up here. We're so lucky we have an outdoor space. And so we've had a lot of people over throughout quarantine since we moved in here. And I've had people say like they want to come over and have the frittata again. And that to me is like, I love going to somebody's house. You know, like there's something my sister always makes that I always want when I get there. There was something that she makes this. It's funny. It's like from my childhood. Um, It's a pasta. It's so 80s. It's pasta. She puts chicken in it and peanuts and scallions and like this kind of like soy sauce, um, super garlicky dressing on, it used to be on like wheat noodles. I don't eat wheat noodles now because I have celiac and so she'll put it on rice noodles. But like I always want something that reminds me of a really strong or brings back a really strong memory. And I think that's really special to actually have a thing that your friends want you know, we have so much choice in our world now. It's sometimes you just need that thing to like ground you that you know you're going to get and it eliminates it eliminates like wondering, it eliminates stress for everyone. Yeah. I fully. think the simplification is beneficial to all. Yeah. And food is so visceral and nostalgic to go back to the feeling thing. Yeah. Like that was the the story I never tied the loop with. But when I was driving today, this song came on and it reminded me, took me back just like food can do, a smell can do, a song yeah. can do. And I remembered this nostalgia of, oh, that was it. That was me feeling. That that was it. The nostalgia that I felt, the like ping that I felt yeah. in my body. Like it can happen with food. It can happen with a memory. It can happen with a song. So true. It's whenever you're there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And if you're trying something new, in I'm I'm like staying in the food lane. It's you're having an experience and maybe it makes you feel good, but it's not bringing forth a feeling necessary that's connected to memory. You know, like you can go out to like a really exquisite restaurant and have like a really beautiful meal. But if you only have that once, then to me that actually functions more like a memory as opposed Mm. to a feeling. Yeah. You know, there's reasons why we have certain foods we eat on certain holidays. I think it triggers feelings. Totally. Like, we don't deviate too much from the kind of standards for the big holidays. We don't like, you know, I remember one year I made Mexican food for my in-laws for Christmas and it didn't feel right. Like it was (laughs) like, they actually all got sick from food poisoning. Oh no. (laughs) But um, it was like nice. And I think it was a nice gesture. And I think there was appreciation beyond getting food poisoning, but it, it didn't, conjure up a feeling that they associate with that holiday and it was kind of interesting yeah you know and was, their bodies rejected <laughs> oh my god i was the only one who didn't get sick. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like when i first met them so no way uh, now we just stick to kind of the, yeah. the usual <laughs> wow that's so bad i mean i love mexican food i do too it was, i thought it was good but it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny This week's episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. As it gets colder, I'm really enjoying snuggling up, cozy on the couch, watching 
some TV on my computer. I think I'm actually going to get a projector, especially when shows are must watch and you want to get to the end and know what happens, like what I'm finding on Acorn TV. I hadn't heard of Acorn TV before, but Acorn TV is the largest commercial free British streaming service that features compelling stories, exclusive premieres and originals that you won't find anywhere else. With Acorn TV, there's always something new to discover. It has hundreds of exclusive shows from around the world, including award-winning mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so much more. From production to performances, the series that you'll find on Acorn TV are exceptional and refreshing because they're cleverly written and visually striking and feature renowned actors that I think you'll really like. My friend Zoe's dad is British and she loves good mystery. So we've been watching some mysteries. There's this show called Finding Alice that we really like. And there's another one called Midsummer's Murder. There's so much good stuff in here. And I'm excited to, to try some more things. I think you'll probably really like it too. There's genuinely so much here, something for everybody. Give it a go. You'll get thousands of hours of new, enthralling content on Acorn TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services. It's just $5.99 a month, which I really love. And there's so many movies and series that I don't find anywhere else. I kind of like having an alternative to other platforms and it's really cool and cozy, like I said. Try Acorn TV for free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code, let it out. But you have to use the promo code in all lowercase letters. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV, code let it out in lowercase to get your first 30 days for free. I am telling you about Olive and June with wet nails. I just painted my nails, which is something I started doing more often during the beginning of quarantine. My friends and I would do it with each other. Olive and June is my favorite nail polish ever. It lasts seven plus days. It doesn't chip. They have the best colors. With Olive and June's Manny system, you have really beautiful salon-like nails at a really affordable price. And it's kind of nice to do something for yourself. Olive and June's Manny system is the ultimate secret behind salon perfect nails at home, all in one place, no guessing, no messy nails, and you can do it yourself, which I think is really cool. I like it. It's all in one box. It's so easy. I don't have to go anywhere, which is kind of nice. And I I would always mess up my nails on the way home so I can do this. I usually do it right before I go on a walk and it's really nice and I just like it. It it feels really, really fun. And I'm not great at doing my own nails that usually looks like a five-year-old did them. But for some reason with this polish, it dries quickly. I don't mess it up and it looks really chic. I really, really like it. The color I have on right now is called, it's like a blue and it's called OMG, actually. Did you hear that? The polish is right here. People seem to comment on my nails. Sometimes I put all the different colors that they sent me on my nails at the same time. And people tend to ask me if I got my nails done and I did them myself. 
I would love for you to try this nail polish whenever you get a second. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash let it out and use the code let it out for 20% off your first Manny system. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's Olive and June, O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash let it out and use the code let it out for 20% off your first Manny system. Olive and June dot com slash let it out, code let it out. Thanks so much, Olive and June. This week's episode is brought to you by Ana Luisa, and I'm so excited about this sponsor. I found out about this sustainable, fairly priced jewelry that's starting at just $39 from my friend Christine, who you might know if you've listened to the podcast or you know me. New jewelry collections are released every single Friday. I'm not someone who is super into jewelry, but I think I'm going to start because they sent me a couple pieces and I gave a couple pieces to my friends and it's been really fun to play around with and I think you might like it too. So it's Ana, A-N-A, L-U-I-S-A, Ana Luisa, and they have done us a favor where you can get 10% off all of their products. So go treat yourself and your friends and your family and use my code, let it out to get 10% off all products. I absolutely recommend them. They are a great brand making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. So check them out. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash let it out and use the code let it out at checkout. That's shop.analuisa.com. U-I-S-A dot com slash let it out and use the code let it out for 10% off. I really, really love this brand and I think you will too. Check them out. Sustainable, barely priced jewelry starting at $39. Ana Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Use the code let it out for 10% off all of their beautiful, fun jewelry. I want to talk about the beginning of CAP and I know you had a clothing store and then a mastermind group where you got the idea. Can you talk about that time and and what you were feeling and what that was like for you looking back? Yeah. So I had, like you said, a clothing store that I started that I opened October 16th of 2001. So like, you know, less than a month after September 11th and in Brooklyn, Brooklyn was not cool. It wasn't like I opened it in Brooklyn because it was cool. I opened it in Brooklyn because it was down the street from my house and I could afford the rent. And it was really beautiful. It was called Castor and Pollux. And then I moved into the city for the store to be in the city in the West Village where Cap actually was, took over the lease. This was like kind of at the beginning of fast fashion when I moved into the city and I was starting to see and recognize that the landscape was pretty rapidly shifting in terms of what people were spending on, the offerings that were there. I was a multi-label boutique and I made my own jewelry and knitwear, but it was um, becoming challenging. And I had a lot of issues and challenges with the framework of having a clothing store, like a high-end clothing store, that a lot of people couldn't afford the clothing. I wouldn't have been able to had I have not owned the store, or they didn't have the life for the clothing, or they didn't fit in the clothing. And so there was like a lot of negativity that kind of surrounded 
the women who would come in and and I'm very much an empath and it just it felt really wrong to me and I was started to see it more and more and at that time I was like really into drinking and eating and wasn't really concerned with my diet and was just like really concerned with getting the next best meal and I was feeling pretty terribly and I went to the doctor and you know he said like oh well you're just getting older and you have a store in you know you have a business in New York it's exhausting like this is how it is and I was I think I was like 38 at that time and I was like I mean if this is how it is I don't know how I'm going to get to even the age of 60 like I felt so terribly mm. and then he did blood work and came back and said oh actually you have celiac and I don't actually know how you're walking around like you're like absorbing nothing oh my god which was like one of the best things i'd say if not the best thing that's ever happened to me because it was a really big wake up call and it put me on this path to open cap and to just kind of study myself and my body in a way that i had been ignoring for a really long time so i obviously stopped eating gluten and then started to feel differently it was pretty immediate and rapid how i how differently i felt and looked like i had really bad cystic acne it's like everything kind of got into balance And so I started looking at products in addition to what I was eating and started to realize there was a disconnect from what I was using on my skin and topically with what I was eating and that's when I had this realization that nobody had really created this space that felt really modern and relevant and sexy and kind of in keeping with what people were starting to be interested in like it didn't exist And so I asked my friend Cindy who was um she's the co-founder and she is no longer with Cap but I asked her at that time we had worked together at Martha Stewart like 20 years ago if she wanted to do it and she said yes and so we started and this was before there was anything like there wasn't anything like it and we a really big part of our platform was and still is incorporating foods into this beauty landscape and making it really kind of a full circle multidimensional experience as opposed to just a topical experience which for me just wasn't that interesting especially you know having the history of transformation with the foods that I was eating in terms of um my skin so we started and I think we opened in we opened Valentine's Day in 2015 I think and it was just wild it was like a really 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 wild ride just people really wanted it and it was something new and fresh and it was you know like you said a clubhouse it was yeah. very very much a space of learning and and like so many friendships formed there and it was great it was really totally. really great and people responded in a way that felt really fantastic yeah. really special space and, and still is digitally and something that we said about the cap store that it it really there's like two limbs to it other than obviously the products and what it is in a retail space which is so cool obviously and like all my favorite things are from cap but taking that out of the equation it's so much beyond that to yeah. me it's this clubhouse like like you said community that you curate of introducing me to people and the way you do that is so cool because it's people that you don't usually typically get to see the inside of their fridge or the inside of their life in this way that as someone who you know I've created a, a career about around my curiosity you know and I'm being someone who is so interested and intrigued by these 
places that you don't usually see, like the medicine cabinet in the inside of the fridge. And, you know, I remember on the, like at the beginning of the pandemic or the beginning of quarantine, you were interviewing a lot of people and I've discovered so many fresh ideas and perspectives and people through the Thinking Cap, your your blog, which is so beautiful. And, and the content on that site constantly inspires me. It, it's become this destination for beauty and discovery. And I'm so curious, you know, how do you how do you manage it all? I know that you have a journalism background and but you're someone that just has this eye for design and style, which I think is probably just innate to you. But I'm curious about how you do it all with editorial and constantly finding and discovering people. Yeah, it's funny. People ask me that and I I never have like a really eloquent answer. I think it goes back to what you said is about yourself is just being really curious. Yeah. I'm also really comfortable asking people if they want to be a part of something. I don't get tripped up with that because I feel like that's kind of what I excel at in terms of, you know, CAP has never been just this retail space. Like you said, it's, it's really a challenge for me to describe it to people who don't know anything about it. Because for me, it is really so much larger than that. And it, I feel like the word community is quite often, it's used a lot in a way these days that I think is maybe not always completely true or relevant. But for me, it really, really is a community. And it really is this space that um, I'll kind of just put anything up there that I think is interesting. I just use it as like a space to share. And I think I have a really curious mind. I think that's my my kind of super skill is I, I have a very curious and open mind and I'm interested in people, even though I'm very much an introvert. I love seeing how people live is something that's been utterly fascinating to me. And I was reading, do you know who Deborah Needleman is? She's She was the editor of Domino and she's kind of like been in the editorial world forever. And She's really smart and has a very interesting take on space and how people live in spaces. And I was reading something of hers the other day and she was saying that she's always been this person. I think she maybe lived in Georgetown in DC many, many years ago and she would walk past all the beautiful brownstones at night and see them kind of lit warmly from within. It was really fascinated. And I used to do that all the time. Me too. As like, soon as you were saying I was, same. I was Even obsessed. in Michigan, like, yeah. I would just be like, and I like to, this is creepy but I would like to smell their dinner and then yeah. like you <laughs> no I don't think it's creepy at all I think it's it's really representative of what their values and their priorities oh, are and and like not even judging anyone just being like oh they're really into scent in their home or they're really into light and she was saying that that was kind of like her marker of success and then she did this post the other day where she photographed her desk from the outside. And she was like, I just went outside to take the dog on a walk and recognize that I actually have that. And that's maybe a long way to say, but like, I, I just find it completely fascinating to study and watch how people live. And part of that is their beauty routine, but it's like a tiny part of it. To me, it's just like this universe that they live in and how they function. And Cap is like this place where I get to share that. And it allows me, it's interesting, my husband is a photographer and my sister-in-law is a journalist. They would both, I think, maybe identify as being shy, like people that wouldn't necessarily go up to people and ask them questions. And they had this realization kind of recently where they were like, oh, this is interesting. We both chose careers 
that our whole career is dependent on us engaging pretty much with strangers. And so it's kind of this forced way of dealing and getting access to someone. And I think that I think of CAP in that kind of similar way where it's like, if I see somebody that I'm intrigued with or inspired by, I can't imagine I'm the only one. So I just want to share it. Yeah. And I think similarly with this podcast, you know, people ask me that question too, like, how do you figure out who's going to be on the podcast? And it's very intuitive. And in 2013, when I started this, I was just a curious 22 year old who like wanted to have an hour of someone's time. And this gave me the way in to do that. And at that time, no one was doing podcasts, but it was like peak blogging, you know? And I think blogging allowed, it gave me a space to be like, this started as something called the wellness wonderland Ah. back then. And I was like, so down too far down the rabbit hole. That's a whole nother story of that. Can happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been there. But it was a, a way for me to be like, this is what I'm so into. I want to share that with people who give a shit, not, you know, my mom who like thinks it's a load of shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I think access is a really yeah. great word there. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it, there's something about sharing something that makes it intensify for you, mm-hmm. like cooking or like yeah. anything and being able to share people and ideas and it's, it's just maybe intuitive and in how you, well, I'm, I'm so... I'm so happy that yeah. that you do. I feel like all my espresso hit me for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's this woman who, um, oh God, I love her. She's like such an inspiration to me. Her name is Lynn Rosetto Casper. And, and probably anyone listening to this probably doesn't know who she is. She's older and she's retired, but she was a phenomenal home mm. chef. And she had a podcast called The Splendid Table, which oh, now cool. Francis Lamb has. And I remember listening, this was like not the earliest days of podcasts, but it was like, pretty early. It was like maybe on a radio station. I think that was like maybe the beginning. And I had this really big moment. I was listening to her and I realized I was kind of wondering why I was so interested in hearing her speak to these different people. And and I realized I wanted something that she had. She was a really great interviewer and a really amazing home chef and writer and just inspiring. And I And I realized, I was like, oh, she has access. Like she, Mm. I had this moment where I was like, I don't want to be famous, quote unquote famous. But what I find really desirable is access to people, experiences, reservations, like whatever it is that kind of turns you on. Like I was like, that to me is the ultimate um, achievement is to be able to have access because of the curiosity that you've had throughout your whole life. Totally. I feel that way too. Like the the guest this week on the on the podcast is one of my favorite musicians and I I was like, "Wow. Me 10 years ago, the fact that I got to talk to this person for like basically a work thing. I think about that right now talking yeah. to you. Like it's it's really Who it's not it? lost on me. Do you listen to Big Thief? No. It's someone Buck Meek from Big Thief. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, the access thing is really really interesting and i think it's something that oftentimes people i'm gonna say maybe younger but maybe that's not true they conflate with um being famous Mm -hmm. and i think they're actually very different i think being famous is like kind of one dimensional and i think having access actually exactly and i think having access is is something that's like kind of the ultimate yeah yeah i've never again like uh, you articulated something that i've felt yeah you have access to people because of something that you want to know and i that's the same thing like the way 
to get back to like the content, like it's, it's having access and then getting, having the opportunity to share that special person with another is so cool. You know, where do you see the future of sharing and blogging or social media or, you know, your, your blog, the thinking cap is still very active and, and rich. And so is your Instagram. And the, the thing that I really admire about you, there's so many things, (laughs) but it, it really does feel like your Instagram and and Cap's Instagram is the inside of your brain and Mm. is what you are like interested in in real time. And that's something that I think a lot of people, the through line is you. Like when I go through the through line, there's really not one other than it's also somehow cohesive. And I think it's because (laughs) it's you. So I guess just not really a question, but how do you frame that? And how do you see that, that trajectory going into the future? Hmm. I wish I had a really great answer. I don't. I mean, Instagram went out yesterday. That was kind of interesting, like as a forced pause Mm -hmm. on Instagram and, you know, all the surrounding memes. um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like a person who thinks like super far in advance. And I think I should probably introduce that a little bit, but I, I'm very kind of a combination of being really consistent, but also I find having a goal for something far out in the future to be almost traumatic. Like I had stuff happen in my childhood that was kind of always like the anticipation of something changing. So I think I've just naturally gone to this place of the goal not coming to life is, or the thing not happening that is said is going to happen can be so upsetting and disorienting, like from my experience, from my childhood, that I've just kind of like naturally stayed away from that. Um, that being said, I have a business, so I, I do have things I want to happen for it, but they're kind of lofty and they're big and they take me a really long time to distill. Like it takes me a long time to like sit in something and then I'll just have like the moment and be like, oh wow, this is the thing. So I feel very much, you know, like for the past two years, I've been like very much in a state of survive, like stay in the game, get up and do the work, ship the packages, make the content, stay afloat. And I'm just starting to see like, oh, wow, there's a different word. And that's maybe thrive. It's like so close to survive. I'm just starting to kind of like let that window open a little bit and let some light in there. But it's, I need to condition it. It's been a state of how do I stick around? How do I stay relevant? How do I, and I, I don't have like big grand strategies behind that. It really like how you were saying, like with the content, it is so much a part of just who I am and like what I like. And, you know, their strategy, like Julia is one of my employees who is, that's such a small word for her. She's so amazing. And, and she has, I would say like a really strong handle on longer term kind of vision, planning, seeing things. I'm can be very spontaneous and probably a nightmare to work with because I like, I'll just have like hits and hits and hits. And then some of them will hit and some of them won't. Um, But I have some really exciting ideas. I'm just still trying to like flush them out. And then in the interim, just consistently sharing like what it is, 
you know, I have like a very much a retail mind. It's like if I'm interested in something, it's almost impossible to think that somebody else won't be interested in yeah, it. Totally. You know, it's and so I don't ever like think about really deeply like, oh, am I am I the only one thinking about this? It's like, you know, we have a collective. Mm-hmm, and totally. and that's I think was the success of CAP. Like Cindy and I had been thinking about this thing and really rolling it around in our heads and it was something we very much wanted and I think you know anytime something comes from something that you want there's bound to be others who want that Mm -hmm. too it's almost impossible for there not to be somebody else so I just kind of like go plodding along on that trajectory and then I'll have like a moment and be like ah fuck that's the thing yeah you know but it takes a while to get there and it can be so uncomfortable sometimes because I'm like oh I should be further I should be I should be this, I should be that. And so I'm just trying to listen to that, hear it and be like, okay, but you don't have the microphone now. Like, let's just keep doing the work and it'll it'll reveal itself. I feel exactly the same. Like, yeah. I feel exactly in that. Like the thing you said about I'm the same way and the people I work with the same way of like, exactly like you said, a lot of things, one of them maybe hits, but I've just been like, Maybe it's a zine. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's, a, you know, just all, you know, for the last 10 years. And, yeah. I, you know, I think the older I get, the more I'm like, it's none of these things. But I have to keep going and I have to keep trying and focus, water what is working, yeah. nurture what is working, yeah. let go of, you know, keep And all those going. things are really important. They're all exercises. They're like creative acts that you do and you kind of watch and assess and analyze and that's all information. But like we're so conditioned to love the beginning of something and we're so conditioned to love the exit. The middle part is not sexy. People don't really want to talk about that part in general. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm referencing business. Um, there's this great book, The Messy Middle. Do you know that? Mm-mm. It's about this theory it's just like we love the launch story right like that's really fun how they start what kind of funding did they get like who are they um what do i get to discover about them and then we love the exit where it's success or we love the exit where it's a massive fail yeah because i don't know why but that's a whole another conversation like we get to like like slay somebody in the process but the middle part is where the end comes from, and we so often bypass that because it's not interesting. It's like hard. It's really challenging. And I think I've been in that kind of middle part for some time. And I'm just starting to be like, I actually think this part's really interesting. This is the part where you get to kind of discover who you are. Yeah. Not like photo shoots and press and it's, you know, like I can see new launches happen and be like, oh, yeah, that's fun. Like they're getting press and that's cool. And that, that's what happens at the beginning of kind of the launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the middle part is like, oh, like just keep going. Yeah. Keep doing your thing and do it well. Yeah. I think there's something that that's interesting because I, I when when I first started this and then, you know, like pretty soon after I got this book deal and I got, I moved to New York and I had all these kind of things happening and then it got really quiet. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not like a prodigy. I'm just going to be doing things at the normal time I'm doing things. Right. And there's kind of nothing. And especially podcasting, it's like there are so many people who I helped start their podcast or start their, their podcast after me that's like far exceeding me. And sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I'm still doing this, but I'm still doing it. I'm still showing up. And there's something very sweet about that. There's so much value in that. <laughs> there's so much. I mean, that's like, the clay that makes you 
Yeah. But people don't talk about it because it's, like I said, it's not super interesting. It's like going back to the beginning of the conversation, like it's often an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable feeling to sit in a space and be like, oh, wow, I don't have the success or, oh, wow, I don't have what they have or, oh, they have more downloads. Like whatever it is, whatever your yeah. thing is, it's it's super humbling. And I think humility is a, is a something I, I'm fascinated with and I, I love and I find the people that I admire the most have like carry an enormous amount of humility. I think just like doing the work and I'm talking about business, but I'm also talking about on yourself. Like if you stop doing the work on yourself, like you're kind of fucked. You got to keep it up. All yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think about this a lot when it comes to creativity and write, my writing for yeah. sure. And even the podcast, I guess. It's like looking at it as a devotion rather than a discipline yes. of like same thing I do with my tea or with meditation or with whatever. It's like just doing a little bit each day. Yeah. You know? That word practice is so funny because yeah. it's so overused. But when you really dive into it, I'm always astounded like – Oh, that's all this is. We're just practicing each day and then we're done at some point. Yeah. I mean, we're done when we're done. Like not, like the practice yeah. never goes away. But, you know, there's this, I don't know, you're much younger than me, but, and I don't know if my mom was unusual in this manner, but there was very much a thing in my childhood growing up that was about prodigies, being really talented. Oh, this person's really good at that without a kind of reveal of why. And, and you know, like, not to dismiss my mom and her kind of how she raised me, but there was very much, you're not good at that right, like right away, like piano. Like I played piano and I was like fine at it, but I wasn't super dedicated to it. I didn't have a really strong devotion, practice, discipline, and I didn't get very good at it because I didn't do it. And my mom would always kind of equate that to, oh, you're not talented at music stuff. Which is funny, again, to go back to John, my husband, he's always thought that's such a strange approach. He's like, well, LeBron James was an amazing basketball player when he was young, but it's also all the work he's done. Totally. And it's just a totally different way to look at it. And it's taken me many years to untangle that. I still find myself, like, if I'm trying to figure something out on the computer, I even said it to you earlier, like, oh, I put my finger in a light socket. Like, I'll be like, I'm not good at this. But it's an excuse. It's like a really easy, reliable excuse that encourages laziness in me where I'm like, oh, I don't have to figure it out because I'm not good at it. And I think dismantling that has always, well, not always, but it's been like a goal of mine to dismantle that way of thinking that's really familiar and really comfortable and also just really counterproductive. You weren't a good podcaster when you started. I wasn't a good business person. Like I wasn't born you know, like maybe you have a propensity for speaking and interviewing people, but you also cultivate it over time. And that's, that's kind of that middle space we were just talking about earlier is like the, the work you put in there is so often not recognized or acknowledged. It's just like, oh, they were great at that. And they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. You know, I have 100 million more questions <laughs> to ask you. We don't have that much more time, but I want to make sure I ask you the rapid fire questions I ask everybody. But a couple, couple more things first that I'm curious about. I, I want to talk about style because, as you know, I've told you you're one of my style icons, Aww. have been. You're sweet. What's your greatest lesson about curating your personal style? And maybe we can even loop in style and beauty and, and something that we 
often talk about on this show is is body image. Yeah. And, you know, I I often say, like, if you're ever having a bad body image day, what do you do? You know, like, what are some key pieces or, or beauty items or just, you know, kind of a riff on style and beauty? Yeah. Oh, um, God, I feel like I'm having such, oh, my God, I don't know what my style is. Like, we moved here a year and a half ago, and I'm just like, I don't know what my style is. So it's funny you're asking this. Um, I keep asking my friends, I'm like, what do I wear? Yeah, it's tough to get. It's I really confusing. I have my New York thing down. <laughs> I know what it is. It's yeah. really, um, it's like dialed in. Like, I know what it yeah. is, but it involves things that don't happen here. Like, I wear heels all the time when I'm in New York. I never, ever wear flats in New York. That feels super irrelevant here like we live on a mountain you know it's like yeah. it seems weird i have worn my best friend's jumpsuits for the past two and a half years i think she launched it two and a half years ago lincoln yeah lincoln yeah alexis she's the best and now i'm like i've i've become so comfortable in them i feel like i need to expand on that so i have been wearing like more Less jumpsuits. And I, I did this eating protocol with my friend Paula from Paula Atlas and Wellness. And I'm feeling, I was feeling not great in my body. I was feeling really uncomfortable. I was like referencing the baked goods, like cooking all the time. I had excess weight that was causing a lot of inflammation. And I just didn't feel good in my physical form. So I've been working with her for the past couple months and I feel a lot better. So I'm starting to like feel a little bit like a um, caterpillar is like, okay, so now I need to discover the new thing. But um, I don't really know where to begin. Like, I don't really know where to start. My friend Nastasia, who's a beautiful photographer, she has great style and she's helping me find some pieces. But again, it's pretty intuitive. I have this like desire to be like this really sexy Italian wealthy woman that is not my life but i'm like fascinated with her as kind of a archetype archetype and i have like a pinterest style board that i've been playing around so i drop things into that but it's kind of inconsistent i haven't like really really dropped into it you know for so long i, I would i didn't have like a lot of money to express myself creatively and so i fell into um, like functioning in a, uni a land of uniforms by necessity, but also like that made a lot of sense. And I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to be creative. I was just like, I got to get up and I got to go do this. Um, so I'm just starting to come out of that. And that's not really an answer, but it's like, I'm just starting to that process of discovery of figuring out what that is. It's so funny because I look at you and I'm like, wow, her style has always been and is like looking at you today and just all of it. Oh, like it, thank whatever you. you do, I'm excited. I'm thank excited you. to see your board because I feel and I felt similarly like I my body changed a lot yeah. and I moved coasts unexpectedly. It's a lot. And I just fully started fresh with my belongings in my yeah, home and too. my closet. Yeah. And it's so different. Yeah. And it feels like I'm learning to walk and it's yeah. a little bit jumbled and totally. it's also okay. And yeah. I also like, I, I look at friends, I'm like, where'd you get that? What? And I just try to recreate it for myself. I'm like, oh man, doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> and like you have to, yeah. you can't, just like with anything, you can't just regurgitate someone no. else's, which I've I tried moved to away do. from fashion a lot when I closed my store and opened Cap. It was, um, I don't want to say like a bad severance, but I that had been my life for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm coming around to it from a place of play, whereas before it was work, 
It was um, figuring out what people wanted in order to sell. So there was like a different kind of energy behind it. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't like, that's not relevant to me anymore. Like, this is just fun. And so it's fun. It's like, it's that same thing I was talking about, like moving from surviving to thriving. And this is again, similar in that sense where it's like moving from um, having to do something to wanting to do something and having like a little bit more luxury of creating what that is. Yeah. I love that. Also, like I, I went shopping recently and a lot of this stuff right now is just really young in this way that I was like, you know, I'm older and I, I feel very young. Like I feel young at heart. Yeah, you just had a birthday. Yeah. Happy I just birthday. had a birthday. Thank you. I love birthdays, but I, I was like, Oh, this isn't who I am. And I feel like they're speaking to somebody much younger. And it was it was kind of interesting. So I was like, oh, I'm going to embrace this like more mature part of my life. And right now, what I'm seeing, I've been talking about it with a friend who's in fashion as well. And she's she's younger than me, but she's having that same thing where we're like just wanting like this like really gorgeous, chic, elegant Italian woman vibe. And it's yeah. I can't find it. Yeah. You know, like I don't know where it is. I I'm curious what you think when you get more into my friend's friend, Ozma. Yes. Because I, I love her stuff so much. Yeah. I feel like you and, and Heidi would really I got a couple pieces from her just recently and I love them. I yeah. like keep trying to wear the sweater. Um, it's <laughs> like not, too hot. It's too hot. It's <laughs> funny. I'll be like, I'm going to do it today. And then like, you know, 20 minutes in, yeah. I'm sweating through it. So, yeah. um, but her t-shirts are amazing. Her line is great. and yeah, something that I've really admired best. for a while. So I'll probably add in some stuff from that. I also like... I don't want to go to California, so I'm trying to balance it out and yeah. make, you know, I'm like a combination. I'm very, very, very West Coast, and I'm very, very, very East Coast. And so I'm trying to find, I don't want to completely abandon that East Coast identity that I sure. had for 25 years yeah. and just turn into something else here. So I'm trying to find a sweet spot there. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, the um, she did a journal on me and gave me these. They're so great. I think I need those. Photographed me and and then I just housed I that loved for that her. Piece. Oh, thank it was you. So nice. And she gifted me a sweater. Ah, the, is it the cardigan? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I it's trying so, to wear it. I know. It, like, I wore it to the farm stand last week, and it was like <laughs> yeah. when we got there, it was great. And when we were leaving, you know, I was like, Jesus, I gotta yeah, get this, this thing off my body. Yeah, like not ready <laughs> not, for right now. <laughs> I'm so premature on it. I know, and might not ever be like. Oh no! It, it gets really cold up here. Really, really cold. And and the, in that funny California way that I don't know if you've experienced, like our apartment, and I think most people in New York who live in a certain type of apartment, it's so hot in them. Yeah, because we didn't um, run our heat, right. and it was just like a radiator. That I kind of like, loved that. I loved it too a lot because I love being warm. <laughs> and here I'm like really cold. Yeah, in the fall and the winter. And I mean, we have a fire going like all, we had a fire the other morning because it was so wow. cold up here. Okay. Well, I'd like to come over. We can wear a matching sweater. I would love that. I mean, the, having a fireplace to me is truly like the embodiment of happiness. Totally. And I cook on it all winter. So I just wow. like throw all of our food in there and cook on it. It's this really cool connection. My grandfather, um, I don't know why, but I, I've decided that that was his thing. I don't really know if that's true, but I very much feel connected to him when cooking straight on the fire. 
and it's like so cool and then again to get back to like what do you have in your fridge for friends like then you just have like fire roasted onions and fire oh roasted God. squash you have like things that are hanging out there that that if i were cooking a dinner party from all fire roasted foods it would probably be a pain in the ass and i'd be stressed because i'd be like is this done but if you keep it in there and then you pull it out like you don't know like an hour an hour and a half before somebody comes over and then it's room temperature which i think is like a really easy but kind of chic move <laughs> which i've been leaning heavily into i'm like okay let's like get beyond hot foods because that's yeah. stressful and then just put them out on you know the bar yeah it's like a really easy super satisfying kind of fun totally. interactive way to eat that oh. takes a lot of pressure off that i think people like i love that what's your you've mentioned your husband several times and he's so lovely and i always really admire your relationship and just how you cohabitate together and live what's your greatest lesson on romantic relationships oh my god we've been together for so long we've been together for 24 years wow. 24 years yeah to have someone know you so well yeah and, and also someone. like we've turned into different people totally you know like we've become adults together um, we've gone through a lot of hardship we broke up for a while there was like a lot of pain a lot of therapy i didn't have any clue how to communicate like none and he was better at it but by no means you know a scholar so we learned how to communicate after splitting up and it is so profound to be able to communicate with somebody that you love so deeply especially coming up growing up in a family that's that was either like fighting or not and like fighting often meant abandonment so i would just mm. remove myself from any sort of conflict oh, yeah, totally. it's taken you know i'm still unraveling that in all relationships and i'm trying really hard but it's not my natural state i would say the biggest thing is like no matter how uncomfortable something is to communicate like the lack of communication broke us up and then learning relearning same thing consistency every day how to communicate has kept us together and kept us in a relationship that we're both really proud of you know it's not easy it's like it's hard it's yeah. really hard to figure out how to live with somebody and and become different people over the course of you know decades but it is so profoundly worth it oh, it's like making me really emotional <laughs> it's really it's really like it's, it's really something beautiful. i wish for everyone it's really it's very challenging and it's really great too yeah wow god i have i'm gonna have to come back yeah yeah get come back half of our, our questions but and we'll lay out a whole great food spread oh, next so time excited. i only give you a plum this time are you kidding this is beautiful <laughs> and the most amazing espresso well we have time for like one more what's your greatest lesson on friendship Whew. I would say communicate as well, but I'm like not great at that. That's really challenging for me. Again, going back to just kind of like wounds, abandonment, something I'm working on. I don't have, I have a lot of people in my life, but I have like a couple really close friends. I've always been that way. I have a hard time like giving myself to a lot of people. I'll get just overwhelmed by that. And I feel very depleted um giving like I'm, i'm not a person if i'm in relation with you it's really hard for me to not give if we're really close but that can deplete me 
So recognizing the relationships that are foundational and nurturing those and recognizing that I'm not going to have like amazing friendships with a ton of people um, and recognizing the ones that fall away and maybe need to go and maybe don't serve either person. Yeah. Just for me, it's definitely quality over quantity. Yeah. My grandma would always say, I don't know if this is hers, but she was always like, you can count your real true friends on one hand yeah and i think there's something to that like i just don't have we don't to, have the uh, enough yeah. like the container is not i mean i think we can have like really beautiful friendships and acquaintances i have a yeah. lot of those and i feel really lucky to have those but they're not as developed mm -hmm. and and to be honest like i feel like i've had an easier time again to get back to that conversation about space I had a really hard time for many different reasons, but having like people in our space in New York, it was so sacred because it was such a um, like kind of cocoon from mm. the reality of the outside world yeah. that I didn't open it up a lot. And um, here I feel like I have that ability and that real luxury to open it up in a way that I can just sit and talk to somebody that I, I just, you know, I know a lot of people do that in New York and that's amazing for me. It just, that wasn't my trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. If you had to pick your favorite part of your life right now, what would you say? Oh, my God. I think, oh, it's such a big question. I would say being fully surrounded by nature. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's really something. And it is so nourishing. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I'm going to come back because there's so Yay. much more I wanted to ask you. Good. But do you feel good? The, the name of the show is Let It Out. Is there anything that you wish you would have gotten to let out that you really wanted to share that no one ever gets to ask you? <laughs> no, I feel good. I feel like you covered everything mm. and you're great at what you do. That's yeah, so nice. I feel great. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, let's end Thank with you. a deep breath together. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you so much. Thank you, dear. Okay, that was my episode with Carrie Lynn. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps so, so much. And let us know that you're listening all the way to the end and what you got from this episode. Comment the spa emoji on my Instagram, on Carrie Lynn's Instagram, on Cap's Instagram, on Let It Out's Instagram. Let It Out, this podcast that you're listening to, has its own Instagram. It's just at Let It Out with three Ts, where I share bits of these conversations conversations. I'll share some photos of Carolyn's house that I took on that account so you can see visually where we were in time and space when we recorded this. So I would love to connect with you there. Feel free to send me a message. And if you have any questions, I'm always there. We are doing a discount to the right kit. The right kit is something I made last year and it is a interactive writing 
experience, we'll call it. So the biggest blocks to writing and journaling for my friends and I are usually letting go of judgment while writing, consistency with the daily practice, and decision about what to write about. And instead of just, you know, gliding on the surface of your thoughts, writing specifically with these prompts in the right kit, it's full of prompts, guides you to dig down deeper into beliefs and opens you up to be your most self-aware and creative. The Right Kit centers around writing for emotional wellness, journaling, but also, unlike my book, includes practical insights for sharing writing with others and crafting routines around both of those things. So it includes over 25 prompts for specific situations, daily practices, themed exercises, accountability to keep you consistent, if you want to be, while also setting you up to maintain a creative journaling practice on your own after the right kit. So, you know, I, for nearly a decade, my most consistent and useful self-care routine and habit has been writing. I'm really unsure how I'm feeling until I start writing. It slows me down. It helps me to notice my emotions. And in around 2013, I started recommending journaling to other people prescribing it for specific situations, giving people prompts. And then in 2016, I wrote this book about journaling that's called Let It Out. And I've taken that content and updated it and changed it for now because that was so long ago. So that's what you'll get in this kit and as well as writing to be shared. So if you think this sounds interesting to you, we're doing a huge discount on it just for this month, for the rest of October. You can get it for 50% off. Use the code October. And I would love to see what you think. So by the end of it, you'll have new habits, rituals, daily routines to get you excited to write daily. Practice where you can let go of judgment around your writing. And it takes the indecision about what to write about out by giving you over you know, 25 prompts, increased self-honesty from your writing practice and advice from professional writers about freelance writing and pitching and publishing. I interview my friend Leah, who's a professional writer, and I really think you'll love it. So let me know if you have any questions about it. Like I said, it's 50% off right now. And a percentage of all the proceeds that we make in this are donated to the Loveland Foundation. And I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out The Right Kit, again, until the end of October, it is 50% off. Check out Cap and everything Carrie Lynn does. She is so spectacular. And please support the sponsors and share this episode with a friend. And if you want a little letter from me and the show notes sent right to you, the Let It Out letter comes to your inbox from me about once a week or two or you know every three weeks maybe depending on how i'm feeling just let me know the link is in the show notes love you so much i'll talk to you next week bye